You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors 74, and our guest today is Dermot Ryan, who is the project manager for Marine Recreational Sea Angling Survey for Inland Fisheries Ireland. In this episode, we talk about the survey, what data is being gathered and why, as well as we dive deep into economic and conservation impacts of recreational sea angling. We also spend probably too much time talking about bass fishing. Dermot is a passionate bass fisher himself, so we spend a lot of time talking about lures and how to swim the lures and what are the best places for bass. Uh, we touched on bass stocks and whether they're going up or down or whether they're recovering or diminishing. Um, and um, before I let you go uh, to listen to this podcast, uh, just a reminder that this episode, as well as all the other episodes of the podcast, are available on Tommy Outdoors' YouTube channel. So you can head on to YouTube channel and see the video version of this podcast. Uh, and other than podcasts, you will find there also blogs and gear reviews and much more. So head on to YouTube channel, Tommy's Outdoors YouTube channel and subscribe. And now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dermid Ryan. Dermot, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for responding uh, to my invitation. And just to lay it out for, for listeners, uh, Inland Fisheries Ireland sent out a survey, online survey. Actually, not send out the survey. It was uh, I found it on, on social media. I found it on Twitter called Sea Anglers Behaviors and Attitude Survey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even complimented that on Twitter that this is uh, I haven't seen many well-constructed surveys but this one was well-constructed it, it was it's really like a and I'm, and I'm quite critical about how the survey is constructed it's, oh no no it shouldn't go that way like whatever uh, because mm-hmm. I've done a lot of them in, in, in my time but that yeah. was really really well-constructed survey and it was um, asking questions recreational anglers that I was happy that someone, especially uh, a official body at like Inland Fishing Ireland, is asking about, you know, catch and release and how much they spend and how, because we all know that uh, probably angling needs a little bit of a push and a little bit of uh, more understanding from the general public how uh, recreational angling contributes to economy and you know that this is essentially important thing. So. Uh, you emailed me from like an official email then saying thanks for, and I think it was like a buff and line clipper or something as an incentive to actually. Have you got them yet? Have I you... did. I did. They're, they're quarantining <laughs> in my quarantine room. Good, good. <laughs> they're also good. They're also good as a face mask for, for COVID as well. Exactly. 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 <laughs> so, so I, I replied to that email and uh, asked you if you would like to uh, join me on the podcast. And here you are. So thanks again for, for your time. 
No, no problem, and, and thanks for the for the kind comments about the about the survey. And, and I think a lot of that was down down to the fact that a lot of us actually and I are, are keen anglers, mm. so we did think within the context of you know what what are we interested in as well. I mean, the main crux of the survey was to to really get some idea about angling behavior in Ireland. I mean, there, there's a lot of anecdotal stuff, but really beyond that, you know, we, we'd all figure that most anglers spend a lot of time fishing on the weekends and in the summer, you know, but there's really no data to define that. And, and we, it's great to have that down on paper now because when we're actually doing the, 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 the proper face-to-face -face interviews so we can design our sampling fame around that to an extent. So, for example, we know, well, we now have more evidence, you know, rather than assumptions, we actually have that on paper to say, okay, we know that a lot of people do their fishing, you know, especially say more keen, or, you know, your average angler does more fishing on the weekend. So, therefore, we can focus more resources on the weekend. So, that was the crux behind it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, and we we gleaned some other great information as well. So no, it's still live. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting stuck in and untangling and everything. Yeah. And we'll get that out soon enough. But um, I think we might do another week mm -hmm. and then close it. Yeah, like. yeah. And you're right because it, and these were the questions that I like. That there is a majority of anglers who do their their angling on the weekends, but then there is a small group of hardcore anglers who are going like yeah. you know every day of the mm -hmm. week or whatever. And then you know yeah. I'm I'm really interested, uh, you know, in the results of that. You know how how that compares, for example, all the catches of the small group of hardcore anglers who are more often uh, out at the water versus the larger populace who are all just doing that on the weekend. And probably, let's say, the sophistication or effectiveness of the crowd that does it only on the weekends might be they may be less effective and you know less. Uh, successful let's say than people yeah. who are doing that every day of the week and then how would that yeah. compare? so that's very interesting um yeah so, mm -hmm. Go ahead. yeah yeah no the, the, this is it and, and it's the same with the, with the catch and release stuff i'm always interested you, you know um say the big commercial species say cod for example i think it's kind of safe to assume that the recreational angling uh, proportion of you know cod captures is a drop in the ocean compared to the, the commercial catches but say things like pollock you know there may be because it's only really kind of small kind of inshore boats that would that would uh you know commercial boats that would fish for pollock usually certainly around ireland and you know pollock is a popular angling species but um we always have let pollock go Mm -hmm. But, you know, some parts of the country, they, they keep them for the pot. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's nice to kind of get a, get, get an idea of what's going on with, with you know, with that, with that sort of resource. Because, you know, every, you know, pollock are, are great angling species. You know, they'll take a lure, they'll take bait, they get big, you know. So, um, so it's great to kind of capture that, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dermot, you're an angler yourself, right? Yes, yeah. Listen, mm. uh, I always, uh, this is, this is like a staple question that I always ask my guests, how, how did that happen that your, that your line of work is, you know, at least on the surface somehow aligned with your, 
with your passion and with your hobby? Um, God, uh, I, I suppose I, I, my grandparents had a house down in near Rosslare in Wexford, and there's a big sandy beach. And <laughs> um, now I, I was raised in Dublin. A, a lot of my peers that I would have grown up with in school, no one was really into fishing, actually, very few. Myself and my cousins, who all used to go to my granny's house, uh, even still would be kind of, uh, and my brother would kind of still be fishing pals, you know? So really, um, growing up in Wexford, just hanging out, hanging out in, on late June evenings, you know, not even worrying too much about catching, just mm -hmm. messing about on the beach and catching and catch the odd bass, you know, the odd flatfish. Um, we, none of us were, we never really learned that much. We, we probably all picked up bad habits, you know? Mm -hmm. using hooks that were too big to catch place or, or smallish flat. So we really only ever caught doggies and, and, and bass, but it was enough to keep us going. Mm -hmm. And that would have been kind of three, I was kind of, um, that would have been eighties, early nineties and obviously kept it up and uh, maybe late teens, early twenties. Um, I didn't fish so much, but I suppose I, and, and I was supposed to take it into, into the work context. I was always interested in ecology, and um, I, 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 you know, I would have done, I would have done science in college. And to be honest, when I went into college, I wasn't that concerned. I, I, I don't think I was mature enough to worry about too much about college. I knew I liked science. I knew I liked the environment. I knew I liked biology, but I just kind of uh, scraped through my undergrad. To be honest, and um, you know, I, I just did enough to get a, a four-year honours degree and I didn't think too much about it. Went off to Australia for a few years mm -hmm. and then decided I had to make a decision. And I knew I liked ecology, went back and I went, did the UCD course um, in, in, in environmental, bio, or environmental science. And really I did my year, um, you know, and I, I would have take, taken anything and then uh, a, a job, Okay, uh, luckily enough, in 2007, mm -hmm. uh, an environmental officer job came up in the old Black Rock, in the old Eastern Board Regional Offices. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, they wouldn't have normally hired someone with, you know, only college experience, but they could see my enthusiasm for fishing. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally, a lot of people aren't... Um, you know, maybe it's not, it's not quite fair to say, but a lot of kind of people do environmental science, you know, angling wouldn't be their first hobby necessarily <laughs> but I think they could see that in me and because I think it was 2007 and a lot of people had work so I, I got my foot in the door in IFI and uh, yeah and as you say it's, it, it was great to mix business and pleasure um, it was always great you know uh, lunchtime in canteens you'd talk about fishing you know and it was you know, and, and you talk about poaching and, you know, and, and what fish have been caught where and what the anglers are saying. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it was, I guess, I guess it was uh, my, yeah, my general direction. I was just, yeah, in, interested in both ecology and angling. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would have applied for anything at the mm -hmm. time, but luckily IFI uh, came at the right time and, yeah. Great. There we go. <laughs> Fantastic. 
And is here it, I am, and, you know, and they, yeah, and they, and they supported me all the way through and career development and all that. Mm-hmm. So kind of like the, the Hotel California kind of thing, you can, you can leave, but you know, they'll never let you go in that sense. Yeah. 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 Listen, um, okay, so, so that's great. And it's, it's, it's good to know. Um, listen, tell us a little bit more why, why that initiative uh, started with a with a uh, marine recreational sea angling survey because that's rooted really with uh, European Commission requirement on reporting on uh, catches. Like I, I don't want to put the words in your mouth, so if you can explain. Yeah, that. well, well, I mean, essentially, I mean, I mean, you've got it now. To be honest, it was quite a while ago. I think today is in an age the original uh, legislation came out. So, oh. Um, so it's not like yeah. a recent stuff that that European Commission said that we need that we need. Sorry. To so it's not a recent stuff that European Commission said that needs to be done. No, it's it's been talked about for a long time. I mean, as usual, you know, Norway and 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 those. I suppose even though Norway is in the EU, it's you know they're kind of similar because of it's all IC's directive, which is more an international organization. But you know. Um, yeah, we're 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 behind the curve, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, so so the, the the idea was to collect data, you know, so you can the data will eventually feed into the common fisheries pos, uh, policy, mm-hmm. so that I mean it, it's really in roundtable discussions uh, for the future that you know when when the recreational angling lobby and the commercial angling lobby all sit down together, mm-hmm. the commercial angling. You know, have reams and reams of data. I mean, for years, mm-hmm. you know, they have had to provide data on what they're catching and what they're releasing, what's dying, what's living, and all that. And you know, they have solid data. And you know, we we can say, you know, through anecdotal evidence in Ireland, for example, ah, sure, you know, we catch nothing. But unless we actually have, you know, objective data. You know, showing that, mm-hmm. you know, anecdote can take over, and that's that's what leads to bad management decisions. And as you can imagine, the commercial angling, or yeah, the commercial fishing lobby would be quite powerful. You know, and there's yeah. an awful lot of money in it, and you know, I, I you know, you wouldn't blame them for saying, ah, sure, you know, it, it, you know, there's you know, there's plenty of fish for angling, or the anglers are. You know, taking too many pollock, or it's their fault that the bass stocks are low. It's not our fault. And unless we actually have a, you know, proof mm-hmm. to say that no, it's not us, or there is an issue, um, really, it's it's all just fluff. And I and I think that's the point. I mean, I mean, you can't get away from the point that our whole reason for doing this is to protect. And marine angling stocks for yeah. the recreation angler. I mean, there's nothing more in it than that, really. You know. Do you do you feel like um, because out of the conversations that I had, and you know, privately and on the podcast, um, I heard a a sentiment expressed a number of times that uh, quite often recreational anglers are not even recognized as a party uh, in a talks where you have environmental organizations, you have commercial fishing organizations, you have all mm-hmm. these stakeholders, and quite often 
um, recreational angler's voice is even not heard as like, you know, who you are and like, why you, why are you even talking to you? Uh, uh, is this something that, that you, you also feel or, or do you have any different view on that? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm hoping this will change I mean, you know, there's a few of us, two of us, two, three of us actually involved in this project are, we could say passionate about, about sea angling. Now, I'm sure you all know, I mean, IFI, um, we, we've always had in, inshore marine fishing in our remit, but it's always been the poor cousin. You know, it's always been, you know, sea trout and, and salmon, and they're all, you know, good reasons. You know, they're iconic species in Ireland, but uh, not never as much notice has been taken mm-hmm. into, into marine recreational angling. And I think this will change this. And, and maybe, um, like, it, it was great the response that we got with the behavior survey, which makes me think that sea anglers do feel like they don't have a voice and there's an opportunity to give them a voice. And when we have data catch numbers, and, and I think, I mean, this is, go, this is going back to Tommy, when we do have this data to take to the table, then that, you know, by, by reason of, you know, the input, from recreation, I mean, we're not going to pull this out of the air. We need input from recreational anglers, and this is how they take part. This is how they contribute by by providing data in our face to face surveys, and hopefully in the future we're going to come up. Well, we're you now it's expensive, but we're and, and the COVID thing has, has slowed it all down. But we're hoping to get a. a we will, we will. Whether it's sooner or later, I don't. I'm still hoping 2020, but we'll. We plan to get this angling diary going, like so. Mm-hmm. You'll have an app on your phone, mm-hmm. and when you go out fishing, you know after after your session, you recorded how many you've caught and how many you've released. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd hope to have a you know a, a good bunch of sea anglers on all ranges of you know avidity, uh, avidities. You know how avid there. It's one of these uh, sites people use it in literature. How avid the angler is, but anyway, all ranges of of avidity, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, how, regardless of how often they go out, go out on a monthly basis. So, so that would be another data input that really anglers can c- contribute to, mm-hmm. and it's and this is about um, them putting their hand up and saying we should be at the table, and it's an important activity, and it's worth a lot to rural communities, and countless shops are in, you know, countless small independent shops around the country yeah you know yeah absolutely listen um Mm. i i hear what you say and i you know i agree with that that we need the data and we need to bring the data to the table and nothing makes you a a party worth talking to if you bring something solid and concrete to the table but Mm. when i read when i read the first time that um because obviously as an angler myself uh, it's 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 always in the back of my head like oh commercial fishing these are the guys who are taking majority of fish recreational anglers is the minuscule there's mm. nothing and whatever mm. and when I read that European Commission requires to report on the caches on on the recreational angling and so on immediately a, a <laughs> alarm bell right immediately the, the, the red light start flashing like oh now they mm. now they right i make an air quote <laughs> for, the, for the listeners who are only using audio version of that i mean they yeah. want to lump 
recreational anglers together with commercial sectors and put more restrictions and poor, put more bans and, and yeah. you know, red tape around that. And that immediately, mm. uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the red light starts flashing. Um, do you have any comments on that? Do you, do you think there is this danger that, um, you know, rather than saying like, oh, your catches are minuscule, now the discussion will be like, oh, so you actually do catch and take, you know, mm. such and such an amount of Pollock, cod, whatever, whatever. Therefore, you're subject to quota and there's going to be, you know, as a result, we're going to end up with more red tape for, for recreational language. Um, first of all, no. I mean, I think that's, that's way down the road. Um, Certainly, there be there be no discussion of licensing or anytime soon in Ireland. I mean, it, you know, as as a, a fisheries manager, I guess, you know, when you look at it once, and you know, if if you knew how many, if we actually, if you had a license, and you know, only people are fishing, and it would make things easier. But I, I hate that idea. I think it would it would put put the occasional angler off. I mean, say the dad that goes out with his son maybe once or twice a year. And they throw, you know, a worm, a ragworm into the sea. And suddenly, oh, do we need a license? And I think it would kill that. And I think that would be, that would be disappointing, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, so certainly no licensing, you know, you know, anytime close. I don't, I don't foresee, you know, any quotas and things like that. Now, you know, having said that, uh, you know, if you do find that, you know, for example, um, you know, over years of, um, you know, there's le- for argument's sake, there's less pollock, or you know, some a, a particular species are around. Um, I don't think most anglers would have an issue about having you know bag limits or you know length limits and things like that. I mean, I th- I think most uh, anglers now are responsible. I mean, you take back to those sea angler magazines back, you know, back in the eighties, and you'd have a guy and you'd you'd have a line of, you know, his 35 cod that he yeah. pulled off a rock. And that was angling. That, those days are gone. You know, people might keep a few fish for the table um, as a prize. But, you know, I, I think, basically, I think, you know, sea uh, anglers are responsible now. And I don't foresee, I don't foresee any limits. I mean, for example, Tommy, do you, I mean, would you argue you're a past angler? Do you think the limits on, and I, I I'd rather the, the bass, the, the bass legislation stayed a bit more static. I, it, it confuses me even the way it changes so much. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yourself as a bass angler, do you have a difficulty with, you know, length limits and, and no, bag limits no. and stuff and, like that? You know, to be honest, majority of bass anglers, for example, uh, what I found, they're operating almost exclusively on catch and release basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you know, in general, sportsmen, whether they are anglers or hunters, they care about the resource they're interacting mm. with. And, yeah. you know, um, and I think that is a concern that, that we see um, that, that resource, fish, namely, um, disappearing, right? And you, met, you mentioned the, 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 the pictures on the old, old angling magazines of, mm. you know, strings of cod or... or you know, yeah. even even sharks were were around uh, British waters. We, there were there were uh, mako shark fishery. 
No, mm. it's not easy to catch a macro shark. I don't know. Like, you know, I, I thought that the last was caught in the 70s, but I was talking with uh, uh, one of the conservation directors for, from Shark Trust, and, and she reckons there were some uh, caught, some, some macro sharks were, were caught recently, but it's like every few in between. So the, uh, overall, the trend is down. And I yeah. think that part of that why you don't see these pictures of the 35 cod on the string is because there's not so many, you know, you, you, you can't <laughs> catch them now anymore. That's why, that's the, that's the bigger reason why you don't see them, I think. Maybe. Um, so, so, Maybe. so, yeah, yeah, to, to, your, to, your, to your question, I don't think, um, I don't think there will be a, it will be a problem, but where I noticed a pushback from angling community was when the bass, uh, we're speaking now about, about bass, and that's a actually good, good segue or good pivot in our conversation. Mm -hmm. For some time, it was banned on, on catching altogether. And I know that mm -hmm. in Ireland, it was like a closed season for like two months of a closed season for forever and ever, but as usual, people kind of got used to that. Mm -hmm. Although there were, you know, talks like, oh, why we can't catch, or why we can't catch if we only catch and release, why it's these months, not the other mm -hmm. months, right? Someone throw the dart on the calendar and, you know, this, this sort of thing. Um, so that where the pushback, when I heard the pushback was like, oh, you can't go and, and catch a fish. Now you can't do angling at all. Um, mm -hmm. now, so, so this is where I can see uh, a, a pushback. There's no pushback as long as, those measures are being uh, received as measures to protect the resource, protect the fish, catch and release, length limit, mm. bag limit, whatever that is. Um, but the moment where the fishery gets shut down, it's like, no, you can't go target that fish at all. Then where, where people start to be unhappy. Yeah, and, and that was a problem with the bass. I mean, I mean, consider, I mean, the idea with that was, as you may know, was to do with spawning seasons. Um, but, but I mean, you know, it, it was, it, you know, it was difficult because it was, you know, it was very localized, you know, for example, you know, like thinking back to my days of working with trout and salmon, you know, it, depending on the part of the country, spawning could have been, you know, same species, but it could have been a few months earlier, mm -hmm. you know, in the south of the country to the, to the north of the country. And you're kind of thinking the same idea with bass. So it's either... You know, are we going to pick May or June, or are we going to pick April to April to August? And it probably know, so varies I, from year to year as well, depending on the weather, yeah, and water temperature, how long it takes for the water to get warm. warm. So it was, it, it was too subjective. So I think then the decision, okay, we'll we'll leave that. You know, mm -hmm. and and as you say, I think it, it it pissed guys off because it was just getting to the time when the water's warming up and the fish are starting to arrive. You know, so. It was a good time to go, and as you say, once people are careful and they release, and um, you know, they, 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 and plus, I mean, just say, you know, you you were sure it was two weeks in a year when spawning is crazy, you know, you know, like you may see the turtles in the Caribbean or something where they all come in, then maybe then there's a good argument to say, you know, leave the fishery for that two three weeks, but it was it was too grey, so I'd, I'd agree with that, um that it wasn't a great decision. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think that the, the 40, what, what is it now, 42 centimetre limit? Mm -hmm. I should know this. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's nice. I mean, it still makes a good-sized fish for the plate. Um, 
you know, that, that kind of 42 to 50 centimeter range, they're quite common, you know, so, um, and you've let them spawn at least once uh, by the that stage. The one thing that is talked often and, I, and, I, and I, I quite like, and I'm curious what's your view on that is you also have a um, maximum limit. So fish over certain limit should be, mm. that's what, mm. you know, and it's, it's very subjective and, and you might argue uh, illogical. It's not illogical because usually bigger fish uh, is better at spawning. So number one, mm. it has a genetics that allowed it to grow that big, whether that genetic is related to, to just being big or it is related Older. to avoiding predators yeah. and you know mm. fishing nets mm. and so on. One, yeah. and number two, produces more, more offspring. So mm. uh, that's one thing I would like to, to see, like, okay, 42 centimeters, you know, you can, but then when it's, you know, 65 or whatever, right? I'm pulling a number now out of my head. Mm. Then it should be released as well. That's, that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I, I like, I like, I mean, there's, there's a really famous study done on cod, mm -hmm. um, you know, more kind of bringing back the, the ecology stuff that I like, which is that, that exact thing. I mean, so, so, so best day plans trying to trying to do some great work so the so the ideas was was that um you know so the mesh sizes in the commercial trawlers are over a certain uh diameter to release what they assumed were baby fish mm -hmm. but then what they actually found was that there was a a big evolutionary shift or survival of the luckiest towards towards old adults that were small yeah you know so they were genetically smaller so they were getting by and the the, the, the big as you say the, the big fish that are releasing more eggs and they're genetically bigger you know we're all getting caught and i i'm pretty sure like there's a very strong correlation now between that between mesh sizes and uh you know like back in the day back in the 40s like you know it caught to be you know 80 90 pound fish and they're the biggest they're getting, they're kind of, you know, 20, 30 pounds. And they think there's a direct correlation because of that. And that would, you know, best laid plans. I mean, back in the day, it was a great idea. Let's make the mesh size bigger. We release the smaller guys, let them fight another day. Mm -hmm. You know, who can, who can argue with that? And it's this unintended consequences thing. And that, and I think it's great that, that, that people learn this through study and say, okay, this was a problem. This was an unacceptable you know, yeah. unexpected problem, let's deal with it. So yes, there is certainly an argument to be made for uh, releasing those big fish. And I suppose in, in, in a way, um, I, I assume you're, you're familiar with our, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the books, you know, geez, what do they call it? The, the specimen fish book, the, the IFI specimen guide. So now we, rather than, you know, having to kill a fish and weigh it, Bass and other species are length-based, so they can be released. It's awesome so, change. It is awesome change. Yeah. I, 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 I love it. One, one for once that you don't have to kill the fish and, and you know, because of, of you know, weighing. And a big, a big, a big beautiful and, fish, you know. And, and to be honest, you know, they, they don't taste as good, the big fish either, you know. So, you know, let them, you know, let them live to fight another day. And the other, yeah. other thing is that uh, they're, they're incredibly slow growing. So I remember mm. when I first 
caught caught my my first big bass, which was over seventy centimeters long. Um, you know, I quickly realized that that fish could be you know as old as I am. It could it could have like a thirty years. And it was like, whoa! Oh, yeah, like, crazy, why yeah. why would I kill something that lives on its own and not easy? world for 30 years right for two yeah. years like, it doesn't it just didn't make sense at all to yeah me. yeah 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 no, i know i agree it is it's 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 sad <laughs> you know and that is i suppose and i do i i kill the odd bass certainly when i'm i'm fishing down you know on holidays with the family and mm -hmm. stuff like that and, and we can all eat it with a barbecue or something like that mm -hmm. but generally those kind of 45 to 55 centimeter fish you know they're around you know it's it's the big guys i think it's it's you know the, you know where you could put where you put your fist in their mouth you know those when you get yeah. those big guys every so often yeah so um, for everybody who's listening to that release a big fish it's it's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Good. they don't taste as good and it took them a long time to get there you know yeah. listen i have and, a, few, a few other things about about bass that i would like to ask you and you know i'm i'm uh you know, I don't know whether you don't, you will know this information, but maybe you will. And and sorry for doubting you if you do. But if you don't, no, go for it. Yeah. You know. But um, I heard a a uh, inform not a story, but an information um, quite a few years ago that I am looking for to verify. And what is the difference? And that information is about the difference between bass stocks in Ireland versus. Uh, uh, around Great Britain, and now I'm talking about geographically Great Britain, that yeah. around Great Britain, they have a offshore stock, an inshore stock, and sort of a, this inshore stock has a genetic or numbers backing of the offshore stock, while in Ireland, there is no offshore stock, there's only inshore stock of, of sea bass, and that's why we've seen uh, back in the years, the population so uh, depilated where where the the restrictions and bylaws were introduced. Did you heard anything about that? You can you comment? On yeah, that? I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, it's ongoing work with ourselves, and we do have a bass project. I've been involved in it with 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 Kira Vogerbauer. Um, she would be leading it. I would have done a lot of uh, sampling work. Um, yeah, the, the consensus is still that we have we have our own Irish stock. Now there has been some, some genetic work done, and nothing conclusive, you know, because they're you know it, it, they're a different kind of uh, animal to say salmon, where where the genetics, you know, can separate, you know, because obviously most salmon go back to their, you know, their river of birth and all that kind of crack. So so the separation occurs relatively quickly, but there's enough you know general mixing in bass stocks that the genetics doesn't work particularly well mm -hmm. the work currently you know we haven't published anything yet i'm hoping to publish it soon to be honest with you but yeah. we're, we're doing it's this um it's microchemical analysis on bass otholiths so you you could get an idea of um where their nursery estuaries are and when they leave their nurseries, you know where they where they hang, you know. So where, where are they caught? So it's called it's called kind of connectivity mm. studies. So we'd look at some adult stocks, and I suppose the, the scientific theory behind it is that uh, that uh, there's these ear bones, but otlets are ear bones, and they they grow concentrically like the rings of a tree. 
Mm-hmm. So by looking by, and they also when when they when the rings grow, they suck in elements from the environment. You know, with the same ratio to the environment. Mm-hmm. So you can you can look at an adult fish essentially. You know, the theory is you can look at an adult fish. You can go back to his growth rings, like so. Right before he is born, you can get his, or right after he is born, you can check, you can check his growth rings. You can take a sample of that, and you can match that chemistry with the estra he was born. So we're doing a lot of work there, mm-hmm. and we're hoping to now. You know, our preliminary stuff is saying that certainly, yeah. I mean, we're we're our, our major kind of nursery estuaries are along the south coast of Ireland. So you know, kind of the I, I probably I don't want to just give any many details. We'll be giving them anyway, but kind of the, the, the big estuaries, the big muddy estuaries along the south coast of Ireland is where the vast majority mm-hmm. of our juvenile bass are growing. Yeah. And then they're coming out. Now we've also done you did a bit of the Floyd tagging work, Tommy, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um we we are getting occasional recaptures where they've crossed the Irish Sea. Mm-hmm. which is really interesting and very occasional. So where are those guys going? Um, you know, so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, but, but still kind of the, the general consensus is that we have our own stock. Mm. And that's why we kind of get our own rules and we have the commercial ban. I know there are issues with, you know, uh, English trawlers, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe taking Irish fish, but I suppose that's, maybe an argument for another day it's kind yeah, of outside yeah. outside my remit you know yeah yeah no that's uh that's uh you know the whole old problems of enforcement and commercial fishery and all that that like you said that's that's probably <laughs> an entire, entire different podcast yeah yeah um, yeah but but i do yeah i, I think we at the moment the, the common knowledge is that we have our own stock yeah. um and we're, we're working we're working on as you can imagine the ocean's a big place mm-hmm. it's it's tricky it's tricky it's tricky it's tricky than watching lions run around the Serengeti if you think about it, you know, because yes. they're under once they're underwater, they're gone. Yes. The modern exactly. technology is helping though, yeah. Listen, um on the on the subject of I wanna go back for a second for a subject of regulation and the yeah. regulations that we have in, in Ireland, are these um Irish interpretation of the framework given by the EU, or is it straight up the EU uh, imposed, let's say, regulation? Um, <laughs> I guess, I mean, imposed is a, is, a, is a harsh word. I mean, I suppose, you know, you, you could say Ireland as a member state. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you know as, an, as a non-native speaker, I can always hide behind like, oh, you know, is it... I, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. really understand the, the you know the 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 uh, how the word really works, but I, I mean like you know but, but, imposing is a, maybe it's too yeah, strong. Yeah, no, but no, no, that, that, that way. That, that, no, that's okay. No, but it is one of these kind of which I don't like. I don't like to go down that us against them. They're not to say I am a uh, yeah a, a euro careful person. You know, I you wouldn't want to turn. I, I don't believe in the whole, you know federal Europe and they throw rules at us. But I think we are now a member of the, you know, we, we have members on the on the European Commission and things like that. And so the decisions are made between member states, what's believed, which is which is bet which is best for the member states. So 
So, you know, it's democratic decisions are made. And, and I guess the decision was that, like a lot of other stuff, um, we have been requested to provide um, catch, essentially provide uh, catch data. So um, volumes, numbers of fish of a particular species that are caught around Ireland by recreational mm -hmm. angling. I mean, it, it really is that, that simple, you know, but it's very hard to actually capture that data. But mm -hmm. that's, that's essentially it, yeah. That's what it's been around for a long right time. now with the survey, the capturing that data. Yeah, well, this is it. So we're only kicking off this year, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it, 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 it will be led by these kind of face-to-face -face creole surveys, which they're called, you know. So, I mean, you, you can imagine um, <clears throat> if you want to, in analogy uh, of a lake, for example. So obviously the whole coast of Ireland is a lot more difficult. So the idea would be, uh, you know, we just say there's a lake uh, with three entrances to it. So we would have, you know, we only have one guy. So he'd um, randomly decide which entrance to the lake, to, which entrance to stand at. Um, and he'd interview every angler when he comes in and out of that lake and he asks him how many fish he's caught. Then he did release. What are the size of the fish? Thank you very much, sir. Mm -hmm. And then you would do another study. So he'd collect all that data and then there'd be another study to uh, our census, if you want to call that, to catch how many or to find out how many people on average fish on that lake. Mm -hmm. And then you just multiply one by the other. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, and that's but we have to obviously bring that up to the whole coast of Ireland. Yeah. So so the, the random design is is very important. So that so it's essentially um, you know, as you can imagine, with staff and subsistence and staying over and, and cars and like it's it's very expensive endeavor. Yeah. But if, if we're to do it properly, we you know, we, we have to um, you know, you literally you know, flick a flick a dice and go, okay, we're we're gonna survey this area coastline for eight hours on Friday the seventh of September. And we'll do that. We're you know, we we'll hope to I mean that currently we have two guys hopefully going three days a week. Okay. okay. You know, so covering the country. Now it's low, but I mean I think if the, I mean there's there's a lot of literature out there to to kind of say, listen, you know, it's the best. You know, you can do what you can do, and you look at the caveats, you look at the data, and then and, and work it out from there. But yeah, the survey is key, so that's why input from anglers, and and for the future, the diary, as I mentioned earlier, is is, mm -hmm. is key. Cool. Um, isn't you mentioned the bass tagging program? Um, is it still going mm. on? Yes, I think so. I mean, it might it might be a bit quieter. Um, mm. we we do a few guys regularly catching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's it, it, it's it's useful it's useful stuff I mean the problem with the Floyd tagging is uh, obviously you need to tag an awful lot of fish to get a very small number of recaptures yeah you know, as yeah. I'm sure you can imagine say the sea is a big place but uh, yeah I mean we're getting some interesting stuff I mean we, we hope we hope to publish and see what's happening I mean uh, uh, as I suppose some people, um, it, it's very dependent on, you know, where you fish and how you fish. You know, if, if as actually you may mention, if you're wading kind of, you know, 20 yards out to sea, 
it's a very hard thing to do, you know, whereas yeah. if you're fishing off, off a boat into shallow water or fishing off rocks and you have a mat ready or and you, you're fishing kind of single single hook lures, mm. it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get I wonder the fish in, the changes made to that program because like we like we discussed before we started recording this that um you know that the the procedure that was good few years ago when when I was uh involved in 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 tagging and it you know my my it was the reason why I stopped doing that because my my feeling was like every every damn fish that is tagged is surely a dead fish because yeah. it's spending so much time out of the water with all the, you know, take out this case. And like, uh, mm. you know, surely scientifically it was perfect because you were weighing and measuring and taking a scale from the, from the specific location of the fish and you're putting a tag in and so on. Mm. But the first time I saw this happening where my friend was tagging a fish, uh, I was looking at it like, man, you, you, you better, you know, you use the fillets out of this fish. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, before you pull out all the gear that you have with it, and you tag it. It's like no, no, and like you mentioned, then when you're wading in twenty, thirty yards, and yeah. it, it's it's just it's just impossible. Um, but then yeah. on the other hand, you know, just a couple days ago, my friend sent me a photo of the fish that he caught, and. He said, and and the fish had the 70, 70 centimeters length, and yeah. maybe fifteen minutes later, he sent me another. He sends me another email and says, like, don't you think that that fish looks familiar? And sends me another <laughs> photo of the fish, saying, like, I caught it like you know two years ago or a year ago, and then it was sixty nine. You know, it, no, you know it's the same fish, and I'm you know I'm watching the two photos of the bass, and it's like, well, you know, now when you said it maybe <laughs> and then it's well, like doing, well if you tag it then maybe <laughs> yeah oh, come on how would you know that i mean we, we we have we've done some crazy stuff i mean there's there's a place um where a lot of bass congregate a lot of you know kind of 30 to 40 centimeter fish congregate and we do kind of a netting survey mm. and it, it was crazy now you know so so you might pull you do a quick uh, uh, kind of a a half decker trawl. So just kind of catch a lot of fish to tag and release. Mm -hmm. And you may have caught 200 bass in a haul and you go over it again and you catch another 200 and not one fish would be the same fish. Like, I think that's amazing. So you're kind of, well, how many fish are down there? You know, it's just, uh, you know, that kind of stuff blows me away. And uh, yeah, so just if they, you know, he's got, he's just got that smile on him. Like, exactly, 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 exactly. I don't, I don't buy that. <laughs> you never, you never, you never know. Well, but on the other hand, he spent so much time on, on uh, you know, we were laughing. Look, yeah, he, not, he has an agreement you, you, with bass to chase his lures, you know, sort yeah, of. Thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you tag him. I mean, th this is it. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you say, sometimes I get worried about that. I mean, I, I still use the hard plastics because I just don't get any luck in the soft plastics. I try and then I kind of give up and I go into the hard. Maybe it's where I've always fished. I've generally fished over rocky, you know, big bouldery ground mm -hmm. and the hard plastics or the soft plastics don't really seem to work. They just get caught all the time unless I'm just not fishing them right. But, soft um, plastics getting caught. Yeah, my, my soft plastics, you know, because yeah. I'd be 
fishing over kind of granity boulder fields, you know, shallow water. Yeah. And if I try and do the, you know, the tick tick that everyone says you have to do, I just I just mm -hmm. get caught all the time. I found it, I found it quite the opposite that it maybe because it's it's how they're rigged because my hard plastics now we're getting into the geeky stuff of bass fishing, <laughs> yeah. but that's good. Uh, the the hard plastic lures they're they're I I usually rig them with trebles. And I find when I'm fishing over sort of a, like a underwater meadows and rocky grounds and so on, they're catching a lot of a lot of uh, weed and and it it just doesn't work. So yeah. stuff plastics for me works better because I'm I'm uh, rigging them like with a single hook, whether yeah. it's a single hook with the jig head or without it, and then mm. it just not get not cutting all the weed, not catching all the weeds and not doing anything else. And you know it's like. A little bit like a, you know yourself. It's a little bit like a black art. Sometimes, mm. you know, there is a there is a place when you were catching fish on the hard plastic lures, and suddenly you don't catch anything, and then you change it to soft plastic, and it just mm. like switches off, switches on, right? And you yeah. don't know why. And then I had a, like personally the moment I started fishing with soft plastics, I found myself fishing much more with softies than than with the hard ones. Mm. Um, based on the results, you know, and and like I don't know, this this it all depends on. But, but, but so, so say, do you have like a, you know, every people who are into them, and I watch them fish because I, you know, I go and they always say, well, no, you you, you it's a different retrieve with the softy. Like you're you're on the bottom, and it's a tick, and it's a small retrieve, you know. So do you do a straight retrieve with your soft plastics, or do you play the bottom? No. Yeah. So, usually, like, there is two things that I do. Like, mm. I either do constant retrieve with a with a twitching rod, and I'm varying the twitching of the rod, mm. or I twitch the rod all the time and just doing like two, three uh, turns, then one mm. turn, then three turns. So he's you're on the bottom. You're bouncing the bottom. Yeah. Um. Not really. Not really. Yeah. Not really. Not really. Because mm. I don't think that the soft plastic it it works the way it swims i feel it it works best without the uh a lot of weight and if you put like a sort of like a texas rig with a with the with the um weight that slides on the on the or or maybe like a weighted hook mm. it kind of tends to dive Right, so quick, so yeah. so it tends to dive, but I feel like it loses its uh, the way its action. Mm. So in those conditions, I prefer hard plastic because mm. then if you have like a like a uh, a, a height of a height of water to work with, then mm. you know you're not gonna catch weed or anything else. So you can mm. use rebels on the on the hard plastic, and it kind of dies mm. and works well. But as soon as the water starts to be shallow or there are like a vegetation underwater, I switch to soft plastic and, and I had a very oh, good yeah. result with Savage Gear Sandil that you were oh, yeah. with, the, with the with the little jig head. Yeah, and no, that, were, that, that, they, they're the guys I use in the fish minnows, you know. Um, yeah. As I said, I have very little luck with them. And I just I, I just need... I'm gonna try again this year. I'm gonna put in the hours this year because once I get confident with them, I'll never turn back. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, over the years, now I generally only leave a treble on the tail with the hard plastics. Oh, but you know, certainly, certainly when you have the the three trebles on it, 
it can really wreck a big fish, you know. Oh no! You know they can, you know, a set of hooks and the gills and you know no. side like, of the I mouth. Never, like, the I only ever used once. Uh, it was a Daiwa Saltiga, like a li- mm. re- really large hard plastic lure, minimum mm. lure with a lip. So they had mm. a little bit of dive to it, and it was mm. rigged with three three trebles. But like you said, mm. unhooking that is is just a mess. And, and this is one of the things that I love so much about soft plastics that I'm rigging them only with a with a single hook, and yeah, you don't yeah, even need the pliers often. You just you just and and people who are listening to that they can they can go to my YouTube channel, Tommy Outdoors YouTube mm. channel. There's a quite a quite a you know, couple of videos of me fishing for bass, and you can see that I'm just literally taking taking mm. the lure in the hand, just unhook it, and it's like no no big deal at all. You don't know messing. It's a it. it just like yeah and, and and i think that's a huge advantage and i think once people do real now i haven't realized it yet but i got to keep working on it that that softies are as are more uh successful at attracting bass mm-hmm. certainly in some situations than the hard plastics i mean i suppose the hard plastics when you look at certainly say the say the the feed shallow type ones mm-hmm. they they look beautiful in the water they have that gorgeous mm-hmm. you know uh sprat looking swim mm-hmm. and you can see why fish come up and attack them but I, I i mean underwater it seems that soft plastics are i mean certainly you're a convert you're a you're would you lean more towards soft plastics yourself then are are just situations if i, if I don't are, need the depth if i don't need the depth if i don't need to uh i would i would probably use a, yeah, I would I would lean more towards soft plastic, but you know what? Mm. I'm I'm probably worse person to talk about the lures because, like for yeah. example, my friend was making uh, hard plastic lures, and and he sent me a bunch of them, and I was catching fish on them, so I never bothered to to use anything yeah. else. Yeah. Deeper, yeah. You know, so I'm 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 type of angler that is happily using one lure through my entire four hour session and never change it. Yeah, but there are people yeah. who are changing and trying different things. Now, mm-hmm. then I changed to those Savage Gear sand deals and, and all of a sudden I had a better result. Now, you know, you never mm-hmm. know if I would still fishing the same lure, would I have a also better result? I don't, you, 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 never, you never know. Um, you, you, can, you can never tell. I mean, that's the yeah. funny thing. And, and I know I, know I, I did for the, because for the, I, want, I wanted to get successful on my softies ones. Is it? There's a nice place around y'all where sometimes when the fish are there are in big numbers. And mm. um, so we were catching a lot on it was basically the the lure I got hooked on was was the feed shallow, you know, the taco house one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, catching a lot of bass, nearly every cast. Mm-hmm. And I said, Okay, I'm gonna go on to my gonna go on to my, you know, fish minnow. Went on to the fish minnow. Nothing. Nothing for fifteen minutes. Yeah. And so what is going on? Went back to the hard plastic and started catching them again. Yeah. And I kind of thought, Christ, what's yeah. going on there? And yeah. and actually, I I went to uh, so you know I you know often that argument is when the fish are when the bass are feeding, they're just going for everything. Yeah. So that's kind of maybe think there's a preference there. And I remember in Australia, uh, my wife is Australian, so we went out to. Uh, this place called Yapoon in Queensland last year, and her mm-hmm. her old man's big into fishing, mm-hmm. into the estuaries, and mm-hmm. you know if they can't get out for the big kind of Spanish mackerel, there's a lot of estuary fishing. 
and we were sitting around and I had nearly blanked for the day and uh, and I just, you know, you can hear fishy, fishy, fishy and then I hit a nice fish and these, I don't know, for whatever reason in tropical waters, I don't know if you ever fish in the tropics, mm -hmm, yeah. but just to do what must be the warmth of the water, their energy is so much higher and it's, smaller it's, fish it's, fight really hard, you know, and uh, it's great fun and we, we, so basically, we had all sorts of lures, and we were throwing everything at them, and they liked this particular type of, they're called hards, I think, mm -hmm. and they only, they, they only seem to get them in Australia. Uh, so there you go, I tried to get them in Ireland, and you can't really get the things. But anyway, we were throwing loads of lures down there, and then eventually we were all on these, these hards, and they have just, I, I don't know if you know those tormentor lures, like they really shake really hard, yeah. that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And they just went crazy for them. And there were these things called, uh, they were called blue nose salmon. Mm -hmm. And they're great fun. But that was the only thing they had any interest in. So, you know, there is this kind of thing. There, there's a certain kind of attractiveness to particular lures, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. Like, you know, there's, there, there's also <laughs> the thing that, you know, like they say, the lure has to catch an angler first to then have an opportunity to catch a fish. Well, well that's me, like, that's me, that, that's me. That's, that's a lot of that. You know, I, like, right now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough being, being around anglers long enough that, you know, I'm, I'm mainly fishing with the lures that are, that are made by, by my buddies. So, like I mentioned, mm. I used to fish with the hard, hard plastic lures called taps. I don't think you can get them anymore. Um, uh, and now I have these soft plastics called pirate lures. That's another of my. Oh, I, got, I got a bunch of them actually at the angling, yeah. angling expo this year. There you go. There you go. So, so I'm giving. Do you like a, them? Yeah. Yeah, I'm giving them a good good try uh, this year because I I, I got I got a bunch of them, and um, you know there is probably as many opinions about the lures as anglers. I know. My personal one is that it you know it doesn't matter that much as long as the fish is around. That, that was my believer, but, but then I have I gave you those two anecdotes to fall out, <laughs> out of the water. <laughs> this is what makes it so fun, right? I yeah, said, it, yeah, I yeah, said yeah. it once to my to my to my friend that if not the fish that is actually a wild animal and unpredictable, fishing would be very simple. He was yeah, like, yeah, Oh yeah. my god, how can you right? Because he's like a geek, he goes into every detail of the reel and the hook and the rig and, yeah. the fish and that. Yeah. And I said like, well, look, this is all simple. You just have a lure and a line. That's simple. You can complicate it all you want, but that's simple. That's the fish that makes it difficult. And it's a fish mm. that makes it interesting because you, you know, <laughs> like this conversation we had in the coffee table about pike fishing, uh, the other, well, not the other day, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I keep repeating that because, you know, like a, Picture like a bunch of buddies a night before, you know, going on the, out of the boat fishing for pike, sitting around with a beer, and they talking about their tactics and techniques and this and that, and yeah. you catch pike on this and that and something else. And one <laughs> guy says like, well, you know, you're right, but there's a one problem. Pike doesn't know about it. Pike doesn't know yeah. about it, that these lures yeah, are the yeah, best. Yeah. No, and this is yeah, the biggest yeah, problem. Yeah. If Pike only knows that these lures are the best, then you would be catching it. This is it. This, this is, is it. You can never tell. And it is. I mean, and that's why it's fun. And sometimes they're just around. And, you know, you know those, I love, I love the, the calm evenings where it's, you know, a full moon night or a new moon night. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and they're the evenings. Where, and I, I still believe that that's when I catch the most fish. 
But is that because I put most effort in at those times? Do you know, that's 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 the point. <laughs> that's that's the whole point. You know, yeah. I, mean, I I probably made it in one of my recent vlogs. Uh, I don't know if that footage actually made the cut to the to the actual vlog, but this is what I was saying. Like, oh, this is the conditions where I catch most of the fish. And then the mm. next one is like, well, but this is the conditions where I fish most often. Yeah, so what do you yeah, expect? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose I suppose this is it, Tommy. I mean, going back to the to the survey, I mean, that kind of stuff, I mean, the survey response not only will inform how much has been caught mm. for angler-centric stuff. I, I mean, I think there'll be, you know, almost personal views. Like I find, I will find that kind of stuff interesting, you know. So we could match up, you know, catch data with, you know, saloon or cycles and, you yeah. know, tides and stuff like that. Mm. You know, I mean, just you know, be a, now, you know, the actual volumes of catch might be as interesting to the anglers as. You know, interesting little things like that, yeah. which may come out. Will those know? results be available to anglers, or is it going to be like a... Oh, yeah, of course, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, now, you know, like um, like like everything in the public service, we don't really have the staff to hammer these things out quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sure, sure, no, it is. No, if stake, the stakeholders input, and they'll deserve... You know, everything will be uh, anonymous and all that, but we will have data release percentages, you know, oh. and that, that kind of stuff. We'll Is it going to be on the, on the IFI website? Yeah, no, I wouldn't hold your breath. Um, you know, we have to kind of collect and analyze and all that at this stage. But I'm, I'm hoping now, as I said, we'll, we'll close the behavior and attitude survey soon enough. And I will probably take a couple of weeks you know, away from the survey work to sit down and, and trash it out, you yeah. know, and you should get some nice, yeah, some nice stuff on, you know, as you say, catch and release rates and mm -hmm. where people fish, when they fish, age groups, yeah. you know. Listen, just, like just, to, just to uh, maybe wrap it up, uh, at least subject of bass, um, what's, your, what's your view on um, stocks and the numbers? Um, because obviously anyone who's fishing uh angling would say that there is a less and less fish um some yeah. people tend to say that there's less and less fish but the ones that you're catching are bigger a bit better quality um so from from your position how does it look like how does it look the trend of of bass stocks like numbers and size and more importantly, what do you think is the future? Uh, how, it, how it's going to play it out and what we can do to make that future better, other than figuring yeah, out the story? Well, I mean, it, it, it's obviously a nearly impossible question to answer. I mean, it, it's kind of anecdotal stuff. Um, I, I certainly think there's been a recovery in bass around the coast in kind of the last you know, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, our numbers of... Uh, babies are of age zero fish you know we, we've been we've been sampling particular nursery sites um jesus since 2013 on an annual basis mm -hmm. and those numbers you know they go up and down but they stay relatively steady you know low numbers compared to kind of you know french estuaries and, and spanish estuaries and you know estuaries in the south of england Mm -hmm. but nonetheless you know consistent numbers um 
So that's positive, I suppose. Um, it's about getting those guys, as you say, they're a slow-growing fish, like a zero fish this year, you know, won't be 40 centimeters, won't be 50 centimeters for, you know, five, six years anyway. Mm. And then that other, you know, <clears throat> that other 20 centimeters might take another 10 years, you know, or yeah. 15 years. So they are slow-grown fish and we do have to look after them. And um, having said that, uh, again, this is what this survey is all about. This survey is about getting our first, you know, actual baseline, a real, I mean, you know, even at the moment, like we, we don't know how many uh, people fish in Ireland. Mm. Like we have numbers, but you know, we would have done surveys and, you know, um, omnibus phone surveys back in 2015, but the questions weren't, you know, how, you know, do you go sea fishing? How often do you go sea fishing? There was kind of how often do you go fishing? And there was an extrapolation between, you know, trying to break up salmon anglers and sea anglers, and a lot of them do both, you know? Yeah. Um, so really, our, our current estimate are between kind of 70,000 and 120,000 people go sea angling at least once a year. So we, we really know nothing, you know, and, and, and that's really all we know. You know, you know, up with that crate, that really general number that changes, you know, between kind of two and four percent of the population. So first of all, we have to know that, which we're going to do. And we have to know in 2020 and 21, how many people are going fishing and how much do they catch? And once we have once we have that baseline, then we can do a survey like that kind of every five, seven years or however much money we have. And it's only then really that we can, you know, it will go beyond the anecdote of, you know, old Johnny caught 20 bass there, you know, and yeah, you know, and, and this, I mean, obviously anecdotal evidence is important and we all, we all listen to it. But I think, you know, as a scientist, I, as much as possible, you try to move away from anecdote and you just want objective data. I was like, this is where we're at in 2020, 21. Um, yeah. And then we can put in measures. You know, I don't know. There, there's there's talk now on the table about, you know, proper marine protected areas mm -hmm. around Ireland. And that's kind of at high level discussions at the moment, you know, between kind of managers and, and academics and stuff like that about, you know, wh where do we put these? Why would we have a marine protected area? You know, so what's important? You know, is it rare species? Is it known nursery areas? Is it, you know, you know yeah. so we have to make these decisions and then how do we protect them? And, the, and, and for example, work we're doing on bass, I would hope, you know, that we will have, okay, these, these estuaries are really important for, for our bass, which is, you know, it turned into iconic species. It's um, important for tourism. I'm sure you've seen all the guys out around the country, you know, English, oh, yeah. French, and stuff like that, or yeah. come over to fish for bass. And if We're we can nail our, that, our bass, <laughs> that's what yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what are they doing here? <laughs> I know. And some of the some of the guys. I mean, I, I have actually seen them doing crazy stuff. But it had to, I mean, a lot a lot of the English guys tend to be good at releasing and stuff. Mm -hmm. I actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna generalize. I won't I won't yeah, get yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. But um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. That's it. If we have this information, how much fish are people catching? Where are the important estuaries? 
um, you know, why are these fish important? And then we then we have good, strong evidence to input, you know, as to why we are designating these areas as marine protected areas. And my hope would be that marine protected areas will actually have strong protections, you know, no netting, no fishing. I mean, I, SACs and are all great in theory, but, you know, there's still a lot of development that goes on in them. Mm-hmm. So my, my, to be honest, and this would be kind of more personal feeling of mine, I, I'd much rather see, you know, fewer areas with protection, but with real strong protection. Yes. You know, so if these areas are chosen carefully, and then just no messing here, you know, um, you know, I, I think anglers will accept that. I mean, it might piss them off if it's right in their, you know, their favorite spot, but if they can see the reason, I mean, and, and maybe, you know, they, maybe there might be, you know, you might have rules, I don't know, barbless hooks or, yeah. you know, or, or, or something like that, you know, um, but, you know, and I, I'd love to see things like that happen in the future because, because I think the protections that we have around the coast now aren't, aren't, you know, certainly for commercial fishing and, you know, dredging and this kind of yeah. stuff that can be quite damaging isn't really there. There's always ways around. And, and evidence that I've seen in Australia, you know, where angling is a much more popular pursuit than it is in Ireland, and um, where they've had to put in, you know, strong protections. Yeah. You know, there's no messing. Like if someone goes out boat fishing in Australia, they have a map of the area they're fishing, and there's areas that are proper MPAs, and there's no fishing, no dropping anchors, and you know, you get hefty fines. Yeah. And there, it's not it's not like Ireland still where ah you know he's only doing he's all right. We give him a fine, yeah. a little fine. Whereas in Australia, it's you know the rules, you have the map. Yeah, you know, and they throw the book at you, and um, you know, and I think if people are conservationists, um, I I think uh, I think people would would agree with you know not not everywhere but little areas which are known to be very productive areas, very productive nurseries, very you know good for good for species protection. I think it's important that these areas are protected, and, and hopefully we will. Uh, with this kind of evidence-based work, you know, we'll actually be able to make clearer management decisions. And that's the actual crux of this. It's, so we're not going to, the guesswork is, is, is limited, you know? Yeah. I made one other attempt at, at this question uh, and like uh, acknowledging that this is all based on evidence, uh, on, on anecdotal, mm. not evidence, but an anecdotal, uh, but you're, you're an angler yourself. Um, do you like in obviously nobody questions the recovery of bass from you know 20 years ago yeah yeah. but i feel like it's around five six years ago where where a lot of people in angling community start saying based on their anecdotal evidence like oh the the stocks are are collapsing again it's going down and uh and and you might or might not notice that from your own uh, angling experience is 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 that something Um, kind of local to where i sit or is it something some sentiment that you aware of that as well uh listen i mean there's there's talk i mean there's guys that i know guys who fish around waterford um and i have you know they're prolific 
Like they're out every chance they get. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard much change. I, I wouldn't, since I had the kids, I wouldn't get out that much. I'd only, I'd get out occasionally. I used to get out a lot when I was doing field work. Like we'd often mm-hmm. do our, I would have done a lot of estuarine surveys for the Water Framework Directive mm-hmm. over the over the years. So in the evening, we generally go out bass fishing mm-hmm. after. And and to be honest, a lot of the places where I used to get really excited about going to, you know, because, you, know, you know, back five years ago, you would have hit a lot of them. They have gone a bit quieter. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, is that just, you know, look at the draw, you know? Um, so, you know, so it's hard, hard to tell, like, you know, and, and I do, like, there's certainly a lot, a lot of talk now of bass moving up the East Coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, more people are catching bass more often, you know, in Malahide and, and you know, Drod and Dundalk and stuff like yeah, that than they yeah. have before. Yeah. Um, Who you knows? Know, so, so, so you hear boats, you do hear both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I had, a, I, had a bad, I had a bad year last year. You know, I think I only caught about five, five mm-hmm. fish and, you know, maybe I fished a little less. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know they still they still turn up like I I I haven't had one of those you know you go on those sessions and they just seem to be hopping out of the water and mm-hmm. you know you're you're catching kind of six ten fish in a session or something I haven't had that for a few years mm-hmm. I don't know why that is you know it could could just be timing like you know yeah so um, I always feel I always feel like this is kind what, of what's your feeling on it. I, 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 my my feeling is that this is, uh, you know, we we looking at something obvious, and we kind of afraid to admit it, and therefore we kind of hiding behind like ah you know maybe you never know it's anecdotal and it's it, this is this is part of the like I would like to believe that. Oh, they're still recovering. It's just I'm, you know, I'm a shitty angler and I'm not catching them. Or I would, <laughs> yeah. I would like to believe that I change the lures and you know they're not that good. Or maybe you know I, I kind of feel like I swimming that lure differently than I used to, and they're not. Ca- and I'm finding all these things to mm. make myself feel better about it, and and kind of don't want to admit something that is seen in the na- naked eyes. Like okay, like you said, like. We didn't have that session that we caught, you know, six, seven, ten fish in the last mm. five years, and we used to have them. Right? What does it mean? Yeah. Right? It's anecdotal. It's not scientific. Mm. It's like, oh, what do you fish? Right? Uh, do you mm. have as much time as before for fishing? That's all fine. Mm. But I feel, and again, it's my my gut feeling. Like uh, we we kind of afraid maybe again it's not the right word but afraid to admit it like whoa you know something bad is happening what we mm. should do about it this is this is this is my opinion but then again like i mentioned it i feel also that there's a less fish turning up but they they were the ones that are turning up are bigger are of better, well, better they, quality they, they, this is, now again is it is it just uh you know what it is that there's a less fish but they're bigger and this is like a natural cycle or maybe it has nothing to do with the cycle and just those bigger fish are you know more likely to be where i'm fishing because there is no small fish and that's why they're mm-hmm. there and they're before <laughs> they're not just because of a competition we're not there right we don't know this is this area yeah. where we can start making arguments and now when you're 
when you want to be positive about it, then you go like, oh, you know, there's a less, but they're bigger because there's a right? If you want to be negative about it, you go like, oh, they're hammered. They're be gone in two years and like whatever. We just yeah. don't know. And that's what I also feel like survey like this is so important because like you said, it gives you a baseline and mm. then you, can, you can repeat that survey in two years time, three year time and compare it with the baseline and then you know then you know and then there is no exactly and then we go here we go so something is something is affecting you know our stocks around for for recreational anglers around the country and until that we can have the chat i mean it's interesting with the, the, the point you made about bigger fish but less and, and i can't i was i, I was going to start scraping around for a report but, but there is a report on we we had for bass in Ireland, so as I say, we do these uh, juvenile surveys mm-hmm. for kind of known nursery areas. And one year, and I think it was 2012, I could be wrong, where the recruitment was huge. Like it was 10 times as many age zero fish as you'd normally get. Mm-hmm. And we did notice, I think it was maybe two years ago, so and you might remember, you're maybe it was more, maybe it's three or four years ago, where there seemed to be an awful lot of kind of 35 to 45 centimeter fish around. They're just, you know, there were a lot of them being caught. Mm. And our, our, we were thinking that that was that uh, cohort, that year coming of age. Uh-huh. And that's what, you know, then they're all spreading them. There's, they started spawning, started feeding. And and then and maybe that maybe that age group are the most ferocious feeders. They're yeah. coming of age and they're snapping at everything. And then maybe as those fish get older, are they more careful? Are they are they more, you know, uh, very less per, of them also. Per, per, yeah, are, are they more? Just, they, just, they just more, basic biology. I'm not saying that anything is. Yeah, just, as they get older, they, they die out. Are they more careful feeders? Mm, Do you know, so yeah. so maybe there was that kind of, maybe there was two years of bumper angling and like a hundred. I mean, I, I'll actually send you on the report. Mm. Like you know, there's no doubt one of the years that just the creeping was amazing for whatever reason. Like you know, maybe the tides are perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, because what what happens with um. You know, so so generally bass will spawn at sea. Mm-hmm. So they'll be in kind of big spawning balls. Now we're not really sure, as you said, in Ireland it might be more localized. Certainly uh, there's kind of big you know, there has been documentary proof of kind of big kind of spawning balls, you know, in the is it George's channel, that kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where just there's a load of sperm and, and eggs mixing together. And then, and then, literally, the the fertilized eggs drift in the currents. You know, so there was a perfect storm one time in Ireland where just all of the eggs, rather than a minority, and were just washed up into a perfect area for for larvae to grow and all the rest. And that's kind of what happened. And as I said, yeah, maybe that was the bump for a few years. You know, True. who knows? True. Who knows? So, so maybe it's it could be. You know, and, and you would you would pick up those trends um, mm-hmm. when we do our surveys and things like that. And yeah. I think that's yeah. that's the idea is that this is for you know. So there's a lot going on. I mean, the easy the easiest thing is to blame. I mean, there's certainly problems with poachers out there. Mm-hmm. 
And I definitely think particular poachers, there is kind of a, a bit of a homing thing with bass as well. They do tend, I mean, there's been some evidence maybe that bass do tend to go, they might head off in the winter, but they generally come back to the same feeding grounds. Mm -hmm. So if a particular guy is focused on netting in one area, you know, year in, year out, it's possible that he could decimate a local stock around there, you know? You know, we have our fishers off to trying to catch those guys. But um, you just don't know. I mean, in the bigger scheme of things, how much of an impact does the odd elk gouger, mm -hmm. you know, take when he's, when he's netting? It's just, it's, it's yeah. an impact, obviously. Yeah. You know? Listen, is there is there just to just to start wrapping up this thing uh, uh, slowly? We okay. we went really bass heavy. Is there okay, yeah. is there is there anything uh, is there anything related to any other species that is worth mentioning? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously uh, okay. So the the, the important like the key species. You know, as, as advised around Ireland, the key species uh, for us to survey are bass, pollock, cod, and the Elazobranch. So the rays, the skates, the sharks. Mm -hmm. um, no ras in know, that group? Sorry? No ras in that group? No, but no, we, we are, we, you know, we're spending all this money going out doing the surveys, so we will be recording mm -hmm. ras data and all that. and. Probably in the future we will, but the key species, you know, decided by ICs for whatever reason. I presume it's commercial catches, and mm -hmm. they want to learn more about the species. The reason I'm asking about RAS is that that I heard that there is a there is a like a growing problem, or maybe not growing, but just found the problem of uh, RAS being caught and then exported for to salmon farms as a as yeah a yeah yeah i heard that yeah yeah so yeah. so that's what i'm asking if, is yeah that, is the no, that, one of those and i hear there's good money i don't know did you ever watch that show those uh show on bbc about the fisheries around cornwall so it was very good actually mm -hmm. and then yeah they spoke about that a lot and guys are making you know small artisan guys with mm -hmm. lines are making good money mm -hmm. you know catching bass or catching ras Mm. Um, yeah, and, and to be honest, our ras don't like been pulled out of deep water at all. Yeah, you know, so, so that they, they um, suffer barotrauma badly straight away. <laughs> yeah, so so that's to be honest, that, that kind of work is the work I love as well, and, and that's not for now. But if if hopefully we we get a proper marine recreational department or whatever in the future, mm -hmm. um, that'll be work I, I love to be. I'd love to be involved in say. You know, doing nice studies on, um, you know, when you haul up, you know, what's the best way to haul up a fish? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you let him recover? Do you let him recover in a basin? Do you throw him straight back in? And there's some really clever work that you can do. I mean, it wouldn't work for here. To, you know, there's guys that have done work on in the, the bonefish fishery, for example, in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. with things as simple as... So they they catch a bone fish, they'd release them, but they they'd hook a you know tiny light float on a bit of very light line to his back, and then they they'd measure how quick you know the the float moves around, and you know so you could measure you know do they sit for long, do they move, how much ground do they cover, and you can kind of measure this with drones and stuff like that. Now obviously it's a different habitat there because 
we don't have we don't have a predator like a barracuda that will snap up the weak fish. Yeah. But you know, these these kind of lovely thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we might be able to put data tags on, you know, Pollock. Mm-hmm. Put a data tag in the fish, you release them, you know, do they swim back down to where they should go? You know, obviously you've all you've caught the bass and you let release them and they go uh-huh. they tilt off to the side and you think, should I even bother letting them go? I'm always I'm fascinated by that stuff. I, I love to see Yeah. Are they better in two minutes? Or are they yeah. struggling for an hour that's until a, the season? That's the thing, and that's a that's an argument that I I initially hated. But I, over time, I became more, more fond of this argument that, you know, catch and release fishing is not no kill because there no. is a mortality rate. And in fact, we don't know what is the mortality rate in those, mm. in those catch and release fish. And that was often like, oh, you know, closed season shouldn't apply to catch and release anglers. And it's like, well, really, you know, not, not every yeah. fish release is like, especially, right? Like when they're getting, you know, yeah. treatment yeah. of the sand wrapping and everything else and they're yeah. all for the grip and grin for like you know yeah. seven minutes uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. know so. no, no, they, they, i mean they're 100 they're traumatized you know yeah. it's it's the it's the argument how traumatized you know will they be fine in 10 seconds or are they floating around like they've been you know they've been hit by a car until the seal snaps snaps them up you know yeah. and it's very species dependent and that's that's where I mean it's hard, it's difficult, but it's work that I'd love to get into, mm. you know. Um, and and we may find better ways, you know. I mean, I I don't like saying any because this, for example, personal stuff. I mean, I I would kind of think, you know, the treble trebles. Mm-hmm. I I do it. I still do it. Mm-hmm. My kid, my kid caught his. He's he was nine last year. He caught his he got his first lure caught bass there last year. I was very proud of him. We kept them, um, but uh, but yeah. Do we need three treble hooks? You know, um, I, I would I would discourage that from the even from the perspective of handling mm, the lure yourself, and then yeah. this thing can catch and tangle and everything. Oh, it's just. It's I know it's cra- It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. But but you, you when you really want to catch a fish, mm. and you kind of uh, you know you know and. I think you're more likely to, to yeah. you know, hold on. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, but you're also more likely to fly hook them, like you know. And yeah. So would you not like a nice clean take rather than, you know, getting them down the side of his body? Anyway, and, and they are all, and, and they could all go into kind of a catch and release um, experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we could have guys fishing with three treble hooks versus guys fishing with, you know, a soft plastic with a single hook and. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it'd, be in, it'd, be, it'd be, you know, it'll be a fun job, let's be honest. But the, what the, Listen what to the, me, the let's, let's, let's stay in touch and, and uh, you know, let's, let's keep in touch and uh, any, any cool stuff like that going on, uh, we may do it again, you know, meet again and, and yeah. talk about catch and release or, or whatever uh, work, work you're going to be doing in the in in next couple of years' time. Listen, yes. uh, it was pleasure talking with you. Um, I'm sure that our listeners and, and I, myself, we learn a ton from you. Um, yeah. We're looking forward yeah, yeah. To, the, to the results of that survey. Yeah, yeah, great. And I'm, I'm sorry now if we didn't, we kind of wandered off into 
fast catching territory. Oh, oh, is there anything? So, is there anything? So, I see that as that. Is there anything that you were hoping to tell us and we, uh, we no, didn't no, get no, there? Not, not, it's not specifically, to be honest. Um, I hadn't. Um, we, we just, I suppose, we didn't spend much time in the actual, um, you know, the IMREC project. I mean, en enough, probably enough time for yourself. I mean, I think you got the idea, really. We, we're doing it. We're doing it to protect the resource into the future. I mean, it's it's. I think it's that's, really a, that's that an important message. I think this is important message because mm. when you, well, like like I said on the on the top of the show, uh, when you when you list when you read that oh this is European Commission requirement to provide catches from recreational anglers, then the red lights are start flipping and it's like yeah. oh my god now they're gonna lump us into the and and I I suppose this is the most important message to say like hey guys. Uh, participate, take part in this because the the reason we're doing that is to actually ensure the future for sea angling rather than put more red tape. But mm -hmm. you know, in fairness, uh, ensuring future sea angling might require some red tape. On the well, other well, hand, right? well, well, this is it. I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose I'll, I'll leave with participation. The survey is completely voluntary, and. Um, but really, when you share your information about your own fishing trip, it will contribute to the development of sound policy decisions that will safeguard recreational fishing. I mean, and it's and we're all anglers, we're all keen anglers, we're all um, we love the resource, you know. Love, I hate saying it, but we're big fans of fish, you know. Um, and true, and that's, true, yeah, true. yeah, I don't want to say I love fish, you know. Um, we but, know, uh, we know, we all, we all. Yeah, love you, know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I'm not, I'm not Troy McClure, like you know. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. I, I, our understanding of recreational angling depends on the data that we get yeah. from recreational anglers, you know. So how well we understand it is down to the guys who are out there fishing. You know, and it's, um, yeah, and, and input would be great. And, and we will, if anyone hasn't uh, done the behavior and attitude survey yet, that'd be great if they could do it. I'll, I'll put a link, yeah. I put a link in the description of the show uh, to the survey. So, mm. so people who, how long uh, that I, survey still will be going? I think we might, uh, we might do another push on Thursday and what we close it up next week. I mean, it's been a great response. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got over a thousand people. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a robust data set now. You know, if you're only getting a couple hundred people, you'd be a bit concerned about, yeah. you know, is it biased towards more keen anglers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But we've got enough, um, enough people to get a good draw and the show will be more. going out uh week after next so you know i'll check it'll it. probably be closed okay it will be closed okay uh, but you know i can do it through social media kind of push it again this week next week uh just to get more people and do it like a teaser yeah. teaser of this show uh yeah so yeah 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 survey yeah yeah no good man i mean and that's as well but i suppose that what we can say for keen anglers is that this by hook or by crook we will have the diary we're gonna get the diary sorted now it's, as you as i'm sure you can imagine with um you know anything to do with apps and all that is is mm -hmm. expensive mm -hmm. um, and we don't we don't have the expertise in-house mm -hmm. 
more and more that we've heard, I've, I've been on the kind of working groups for recreational fishing, the international working groups. And, and while these um, creel face-to-face surveys are a key, uh, you know, part of, of collecting baselines and stuff like that, uh, the diary is the ongoing data collection tool, you know? So whereas we may only be able to afford, afford to do the actual proper random survey every, you know, four or five years, if we get input from anglers, you know, in the diary, it's brilliant. And it, we hope to make it good in the sense that not only will anglers only be, you know, every time they go fishing, they'll be recording the catch data, it will actually be their diary so they can refer back six yeah. months down the road. Provide and, value for them as well. Yeah, so look what I caught. And, and you know, my, my dream now, it might be miles off, my dream would be, you know, they can share with their pals for, you know, mm-hmm. bragging rights or, you know, mm-hmm. times they went and fish they caught. And, yeah. You know, it's a great, it would be great. Um, and not only it would be kind of nice for people to have that on their phones or on their computer, but we'll be getting real valuable data. So that will be something. And anyone's interested in that, um, we I have a we have an email address. I think it's cangling. Uh, just wait. Let me. I'll make sure I get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's you you'll see it on our you see it on our website anyway. It's uh, yeah, cangling Ireland anyway. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Dermot, listen, thank you very much. It was a pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Tommy. Take care of yourself. You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.